Well, good morning, everyone. I bring you greetings from New City Fellowship up in Orangeburg, South Carolina. And um, it's good to be with you this morning to open God's Word and to hear what God is saying to His church. Um, so if you would, let's take a moment and pray and ask for the Holy Spirit's help in communicating God's Word to us. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You for... We thank You that You are a holy God. And we thank You that You, even though You are holy, invite us in to Your presence through Jesus Christ. And our God, we thank You that You have given Your Holy Spirit to Your church, to all those who believe, to teach us Your way, to open and enlighten our minds that we might understand, to shape and form our passions, that we might desire You above all else. Lord, we thank You for the Psalms. We thank You for the expressions, the poetic expressions of truth and beauty that reflect who You are. So Lord, give us ears to hear. We pray and we ask in Your name, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. What does it mean to be blessed? Now, if you're like me, I, I like to look to find out when I have questions. I like to look to uh, authoritative sources. So I go to social media. And what I find on social media is a hashtag. Now, some of you know what, raise your hand if you know what a hashtag is. Almost everyone. Okay, for those of you that are unenlightened, a hashtag is a, is a, a short little phrase that's has a pound sign. You remember the pound sign at the beginning? And when you click on it, it, it searches the, uh, the social media. So it searches Twitter automatically or Facebook or whatever. And it gives you the result of everyone else who's ever posted this particular hashtag. So it's a way to gather information sort of quickly together. And one of the most popular hashtags on social media is hashtag blessed. And so I thought, let's take a look and let's see what does the world say it means to be Hashtag blessed. So just a few examples, okay, for our, uh, for our learning and enlightenment here this morning. And here's one for Father's Day. When I see how these two wonderful men turned out, every day is Father's Day. Hashtag blessed. Our new present will be open December 25th. Hashtag blessed. I just want to thank God one more time for watching over me and my boys during this accident. Hashtag blessed. So, hashtag blessed to be named the USA Today Defensive Player of the Year. I can't believe it. I finished the semester with the 4.0. Hashtag blessed. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. Hashtag blessed. Some of you might realize that from the words of our Savior. You know, when you, when you look at this, you, you pick up on a common theme, don't you? I mean, it's commonly believed that if you have a nice house, if you have a nice obedient family, if you have 
a safe home, if you have money in the bank, if you have a good job, if you have a reliable car, if you have a happy disposition and good health, then you're what? You're blessed. You're hashtag blessed. God must be pleased with your life. Because that's the formula, right? If God is pleased with my life, good things happen to me, therefore I am blessed. And it's a good question, isn't it? When we look at Scripture, we ask, is prosperity a sign of God's blessing? And the answer is not so simple. I mean, it's sort of yes and no. The Bible begins with God's blessing His created people after His image. God blesses Adam and Eve, doesn't He? And He commands them to be fruitful and multiply. But, very quickly... They rejected God's gracious rule, and they fell under not a blessing, but what? A curse. The curse that we all are born into, that we inherit in this world that we call fallen. And in that curse, they lost what was material prosperity. They lost more than that what the material prosperity represented, and what was that? It was God's very presence. God said, in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. And so the rest of the Bible is the story about how God made a way for people to be brought back and reconciled to come back under God's blessing. In the Old Testament, this redemption, this blessing was initiated with Abram. Do you remember what God promised to Abram? He said, in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And then through the covenants, the promises of God, which promised blessings for obedience and curses for disobedience, God revealed His redemption. God revealed His way back to be, a, to be in a restored relationship with Him. And throughout the Scripture, as you read through the story of the people of Israel and on into the New Testament, we realize that believers, when they were following the Lord, enjoyed some measure of blessing, some measure of prosperity. But they would ultimately learn through failure, through famine, through slavery, through exile, that God's blessing cannot be earned or maintained by our good works. The blessing of God has always been about not just receiving good things, but receiving the greatest good. The giver himself, the the greatest good is God himself. And so God sent his only son, Jesus, to give us the greatest good, to give us God Himself reconciled to us in the flesh, in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And so this psalm that we're reading, and you're going through the psalms this summer, the psalm outlines the truly hashtag blessed life. 
and how we can enter into that even now as believers in the Lord Jesus. And so I have three points for you that are pulled from the Scripture this morning. So if you have your Bible, there's no screen, so it's also in your bulletin. I would like you to follow along as we read God's Word and as we look to it. First of all, blessed is the man who walks in God's law. Look with me at verses 1 and 2. It says, hashtag, oh, well, not hashtag, but it says, just see if you're paying attention. It says, blessed is the man, and man here means men or women, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Blessed is the man who first walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Do you see the progression of walking, standing, and then committing by sitting? There's a, there's a progression of falling into the way of the wicked, falling into the way of sinners. And so I want to ask you a, a question. How could I get you to eat poison? If I brought some poison up here and said, could I get a volunteer to come and eat this poison? How many would volunteer? Okay, my kids would, but they know there's a trick, right? <laughs> there's no trick. It's, it's poison. Okay, you wouldn't voluntarily come up and eat poison. Well, how can I get you to eat it? It's simple. I lie to you. Right? I tell you it's not poison. I tell you it's good for you. I tell you it's just an apple. It's just a candy bar. Who wants to volunteer to come up and eat this candy bar? Um, almost all of you would come up here, right? And I've just gotten you to eat poison. I want you to see that at the, at the base of every temptation is a lie that gets you to, 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 to just sort of walk in the way of the wicked or, or, or then to stand in the way of sinners and then seat, sit in the seat of scoffers. The psalmist begins by describing the way that we often find ourselves listening to the wrong voices. And those voices are lying to us. They are telling us something we want to hear. But at the root of it is a poison that leads to death, the way of the wicked. We are more affected by those whispering voices than we like to think. And it's easy for us to point at the prosperity gospel preachers out there and say, they're the ones with the prosperity gospel. They're the ones who think that we can earn our way to God. But brothers and sisters, um, we have our own version of this. The most effective lies are hooks baited with blessing. The most effective lies are hooks, think fishing, baited with blessing Think about this whispering thought. It's okay to enjoy this illicit thought. You'll be happy. It's okay to buy that new thing that you can't afford. 
you will be satisfied. It's okay to tell that little white lie because you can escape this difficult situation if you do. Sure, it's technically breaking the law, but your kids deserve to be happy. You see how the, the hook of blessing, the hook of happiness and satisfaction and escape and deserving can get us into all kinds of wickedness? And the greatest deception of all is that we can be happy apart from God, apart from His way, that we can be happy. That is the biggest lie that gets you to eat the poison. And we believe it in countless ways. We think that we can get meaning in our lives, freedom, validation, cleansing, a good conscience, a sense of purpose and identity from something other than God Himself. And it is the the deception, the lie that causes us to believe that. It's what causes workaholism. Right? Because I think I can get my meaning from my work. And I try every day, every week, and pastors are not exempt from that. We're probably the worst offenders. But it doesn't bring that those, those fleeting blessings that, that have a hook in them, they always lead to disappointment, don't they? They never fill us. They never can bring what they promise. It's why Christmas morning is always followed by disappointment. You know, there's, that, there's the Christmas tree and there's, there's blessings. Oh, I'm blessed. And I tweet about it. And then the next day I'm crying in my bed for hours because... My life is miserable, right? Do anybody relate to that or is that just me? Okay. <laughs> Why is it? Because the gift, the blessing is disguising a lie that you can be satisfied with good things and not with God. Does that make sense to everyone? We need a happiness that does not fade. And that's why the psalmist tells us that blessing comes to those who delight in the law of the Lord. The Scripture says, His delight is in the law of the Lord, and on His law He meditates day and night. Now, how many of you guys get your kicks meditating on laws? Probably not, right? We don't really think about the law correctly. And if it's hard for you to imagine delighting in the law of God, then you're doing it wrong. Okay, I'm going to tell you now, you're doing it wrong. And let me explain what I mean. The law is not a religious burden. The scripture never characterizes it that way. It's not this sledgehammer where might makes right. I mean, this is the way we think about laws today, that he whoever has the power is the one who gets to make the laws, right? And we get to pound you into submission and do the law. And sometimes that's the way we think of God's law, that it's God, okay, he has all the power, okay, he tells us what to do, okay, and he's making us do it, pounding us into submission. Sometimes that's the way we think about God's law. And if that's the way you think about God's law, you'll never delight in God's law, right? Never. The law is a gift, and I've got a, a short little visual way for you to remember the things that, the gifts that the law is to us. And here, here it is, it's three images. The first is it's a shield. The law is a shield that protects us from evil. 
The law protects us. And so wouldn't we want to delight in something that protects us? The law is, secondly, a mirror. A mirror that reflects God's holy character. It shows us what God is like. And so, okay, the law reveals to me what God is like. And so wouldn't I want to delight in the law that shows me what God is like? And then thirdly, the law is like a compass. It directs us in how to love God and to love our neighbors as ourselves. And so wouldn't I want to delight in the law that shows me how to love, that shows me what love looks like in the real world? That's the law. It's a shield. It protects. It's a mirror that reflects God's character. It's a compass that directs us to love our neighbor. And so if we believe in him and we trust in his word, then we, we are going to get caught up in meditating on the scripture day and night because it reveals who God is. And if we want to love him, then we, we want to love his word. We want to love his law. We will delight in the law of God because it reveals how much he delights in us. It reveals how life works best. Meditate. Meditate is to actively ponder the words of God, to actively consider how does this protect me, to actively consider how does this reflect God's holy character, to actively reflect on how does this direct my life? See, the three images come back in again. It's the shield, the mirror, and the compass. Helps us to meditate. If you don't know how to meditate, there's a, a simple way to go about it. And so, as we walk in God's Word, as we meditate, as we're guided by His Spirit, we will sense more and more His goodness. And at the same time, we will sense more and more our need for His grace. And so the blessed man walks in God's law, but then because of that, the blessed man stands in God's grace. Look at verse 3 and 4. He, that's the blessed man, he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Think about that image. What's the image here? What's the big image in this scripture we just read? What's the metaphor? What's the image? Look at it. It's a tree, right? And so what does this image of a tree tell us about how God is at work in our lives? The righteous man, the blessed man, is like a tree planted by streams of water. The key word there is planted. This tree did not volunteer. This is a tree that was put there, lovingly placed, lovingly planted by God by streams of water. And so we need to see at the beginning of God's word to us here is that He has planted us. He has put us there. His love comes first. We love because He first loved us. God gave us life. He gave us faith even to trust in Him. And God's grace is that 
stream that nourishes and sustains us no matter what our circumstances. We talk about the means of grace. Have you heard about the means of grace? This is the soil of God's Word and prayer. It's the the sacraments of the Lord's Supper and baptism. The means of God's grace. It's being planted like a tree. Lovingly planted like a tree beside streams of water. And then it says that this tree bears fruit in season. It yields fruit in season. And so we don't God doesn't plant us just to exist for our own benefit, but for the benefit of other people. There's fruit to be born. We are blessed by God so that we might be a blessing to others, right? Blessed to be a blessing. Hashtag blessed. But it's true. God plants us and, 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 and feeds us with His goodness and His grace so that we might bear fruit. Just as Adam and Eve were created to bear fruit, to be fruitful and multiply. As we stand in God's grace, as we trust in the Lord, as we meditate on His law day and night, the fruit of God's righteousness will be born out in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, And self-control, these are the fruit of the Spirit, aren't they? The things that God wants to work to produce in our lives as we trust in Him. And we know that when we look into that mirror of God's law and we even think about these fruit, we know that they're not in us. (laughs) That that they don't come from us. That this is only possible, can only be possible through faith in Jesus Christ. Go back to verse 1. Look back at verse 1. The Scripture says, blessed is the man. This is a singular noun. And at face value, it's referring to a representative person, a righteous man. We know that there was only one man who ever lived a righteous life before the scrutiny of a holy God. God examined Jesus' earthly life and found no sign of sin or rebellion in Him. He was the spotless Lamb of Calvary. Though He was tempted in every way as we are, He never sinned. Not only that, but He lived a just and pure and kind and fruitful life on our behalf. Jesus Life was the only truly hashtag blessed life. Blessed is the man. And, and in God's plan, in His covenant, He makes that life, that one good life, that, that man's life, that blessed man's life available to all who believe in Him. That we might be created in Christ Jesus that He might live in us, that we might be in Him by faith. And this means that whatever good work we produce, whatever fruit we produce was first the work of Christ. That if you love, it's because He first loved you. If you are patient, it's because Jesus was patient and now He's bearing that fruit through your life. 
Jesus said, I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. All of our efforts to self-improvement, all of our efforts to try harder, to do better, they all fall flat, don't they? At some point, they fall flat, and that, they wither. But the psalmist writes, his leaf does not wither. Right? It doesn't fall flat. It doesn't quit. Where all of our efforts quit and fail, his doesn't. The blessed man, his life does not wither. His leaf does not wither. Because the fruit that he produces is rooted in grace. Even when you look at the Ten Commandments, which we consider the, the, the summary of the moral law of God, the, the Ten Commandments begin with a preface. And the preface says this. From, this is Exodus chapter 20. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery, you shall have no other gods before me. And so forth through the Ten Commandments. You see what, that, what he's beginning with? He's beginning with, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You are recipients of God's grace. You have received God's grace. You are uh, the inheritors of this promise. And as you walk through life, you need to look back and remember the grace that was given to you. Before you try to obey these Ten Commandments, they are rooted in this redemption. They are rooted in this salvation that God has worked for you. The psalmist says the wicked are not so. The wicked are standing in their own strength, despising God's free offer of grace. Grace is a gift offered to us all. But when we don't receive it, when we call it weakness, then we will not bear the fruit of righteousness. We will look to material things to bring us happiness instead of looking to God. And the psalmist says, they are like chaff that the wind drives away. The blessed man walks in God's law, stands in God's grace, and sits in God's presence. Look with me at verses 5 and 6. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. The Lord knows the way of the righteous. Standing in God's presence, sitting in God's presence, is a fearful thing. What would happen to you if you suddenly came into the presence of God. At the burning bush, Moses hid his face. In the vision of God's throne room, Isaiah said, Woe is me, I am lost. 
At Jesus' transfiguration, Peter, James, and John fell on their faces and were terrified. These were all sinners saved by grace. What will become of unbelievers who stand in their own merit? The psalmist says the wicked will not stand in the judgment. Sinners will not make it to the congregation of the righteous. And so there's a warning at the end of this psalm. You know, I'd like to wrap it up after verse 4. But that's not what God wants us to consider here at the end. There's a warning. Don't let the presence of material good in your life lure you into thinking that your life is pleasing to God. That's the warning. Don't let the presence of material good in your life lure you into thinking that your life is necessarily pleasing to God. You and I may look good on the outside, but God looks on the heart, the Scripture tells us. And what will God see in the judgment? God will see secret sins. God will see anger, lust, lies, dishonor. There will come a day when every life will be judged. We are all going to be held accountable to a holy God. And this judgment will be surprising for almost everyone. Jesus told a parable about this in Luke chapter 16. I'm going to read it to you. There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus covered with sores who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. But the poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, Remember that in your lifetime you received your good things and Lazarus in like manner bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in anguish. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able to and none may cross from there to us. Why is the rich man surprised? Because he thought, I've got it all. I'm blessed. I'm hashtag blessed. But he didn't have the one thing he needed. He didn't have the relationship with God. He didn't have the faith and that, that, that way into God's grace that this poor man did have, who in the end was comforted. So how do we avoid the fate of the wicked? I mean, how do we, because we're all rich in some way. We're all Americans. How do we avoid the fate of the wicked? Well, the answer is not to try harder. There's not enough good that you can do to outweigh 
the gravity of just one sin against a holy God. Remember, the wicked will not stand in judgment. In fact, the righteous will not stand in judgment either on their own merits. That's where there is good news. That's where there is gospel, that we have one blessed man who has gone before us. And because of him, because of Jesus, through faith in him, it can be true of us what verse 6 says, that the Lord knows the way of the righteous. And it's not just a head knowledge. This word know means affectionate, personal knowledge. God knows you. Jesus shows us in this parable that the one who knows God is the one who is truly blessed. And man, I think about all of the circumstances that were prayed about earlier. Uh, surgeries and um, hardship and uh, loss of family members, death, cancer. You might think, man, I, I'm not blessed. But I want to encourage you that you may be more blessed than you think. Because the Lord knows the way of the righteous. He is there with you and for you in those circumstances. And knowing that, knowing Him is the greatest good. It is truly being blessed. It's a blessing that doesn't wither, that doesn't fade, that doesn't end when the next bad thing happens. It's a blessing that lasts forever. And so God calls us in His Scripture here today to walk in God's law, to meditate, to consider His goodness through His law, through His Word, to stand in His grace, to turn away from anything that is our own effort to try to be right with God, and to sit and to enjoy His presence. And that's what we practice every Sunday, isn't it? To come into God's presence. God calls us into His presence to worship Him, to consider the good that he is for us, that we might live truly a blessed life. Can we pray together? Gracious Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the reminder today of what it truly means to be blessed, what it truly means to be in your presence, to stand in your grace, because we constantly fail and yet our hope is not rooted in our performance but in what Jesus has done for us in his life and taking away the penalty of our sin through his death on the cross and giving us the hope of eternal life through his resurrection. Lord, I pray your blessing on this church and it might not look like we would like it to look. But Lord, I pray your blessing would be in our knowing you and our being known by you and our enjoyment of you forever, starting now. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.